This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, November 13th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. The president's moved this week to remove some top officials at the Pentagon and the Department of Homeland Security raise red flags. Why do this immediately after losing an election? And especially an election that you, the president, have not conceded that you lost. Cato's John Glazer and Eric Gomez comment. It's been a really busy week. Uh, it started off with the head of the National Nuclear Security Administration uh, being asked to resign very forcefully over the weekend. And then Secretary of Defense Esper followed, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday. And Esper wasn't, those two weren't as odd. Uh, the NNSA, there was a lot of budget stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, and reporting has basically confirmed that that is the reason why she was asked to resign. And then Esper, before the election happened, he said that he had like one foot out the door. And even if Trump had won, he wouldn't have stuck around. It was after Esper that things kind of ramped up pretty quickly, where you had, you know, undersecretaries doing um, intelligence work and uh, getting canned and also other folks at that level, uh, undersecretary of defense for policy as well, intelligence. And then just this morning, spreading over to Department of Homeland Security with two senior officials also being asked to go out. So I think that was the the precipitating event. Esper, it was kind of a no big deal because we knew that he that he didn't want to stick around anyway. But then to have all these other senior officials at DOD and now DHS being fired within day, only a few days of one another, I think that's where people started, you know, being more concerned. You know, I think there's a lot of rumors swirling around about the reasons and the impetus for these th- this large set of firings. I mean, on the one hand, we know that Esper and Trump had uh, some tension arising out of Esper's refusal to uh, use the American military against Americans in the streets uh, during the protests a few months ago. Um, Trump uh, remained kind of angry at him about that. There's also some talk about resistance at the at the Pentagon, sort of slow walking Trump's orders to withdraw troops from Afghanistan. Uh, I think they're pointing to, you know, certain um, certain priorities and uh, timetable things that haven't been met before they agreed to withdraw. And so they're trying to slow roll that. Um, you know, he's also installing in replacement of these these folks, a lot of um, unqualified uh, sort of goons, people that will be loyal to him regardless of the bureaucratic and political pressures that they might face from from elsewhere. Uh, and that's really concerning for a lame duck president with about two months left in his in his tenure, uh, who's denying the results of the election and having his secretary of state go in front of microphones and talk about, uh, you know, sort of muddy the waters more about about the results. It's deeply concerning that this president is uh, cleaning house in such an aggressive way. Um, And it makes me think that it's not about cleaning house and getting his loyalists in line. It makes me feel like when you you get rid of the top guy and maybe the top three below him, it suggests to me that they're resisting an order uh, that they don't want to follow. For policy disagreements, like maybe the top leadership at the Pentagon is not uh, terribly excited about withdrawing from Afghanistan, you tend not to fire the leadership of an entire bureaucracy uh, for over a policy disagreement with two months left in your office. You know, he could have had 
these uh, these arguments with people to implement his own policy preferences months or years ago. The narrative that uh, maybe. I'm not sure exactly where it's emanating from, but the I believe the White House would like us to believe that a lot of this is aimed at ramping up a withdrawal from Afghanistan. Now, John, you are, to put it mildly, skeptical of that view. I am mildly skeptical. Again, it's something that we have had four years in this administration to do. Instead of withdrawing immediately in a lost war, um, that Trump promised uh, his supporters that he would withdraw from. Um, he agreed to surge troops in Afghanistan. He surged troops. This great anti-war president that can't wait to withdraw from all the wars that we're in surged troops in Afghanistan and then had plenty of time to implement a withdrawal. One point of praise that I give the president on Afghanistan policy is that he really has given his his lead negotiator, Ambassador Zalmay Khalizad, a lot of broad leeway to handle the negotiations in a way that would help get us out of that country, resolve things politically sufficiently so that we could back out. And he's sort of come close a, a few times, but um, no, I think the buck stops with the president and not with his, uh, not with his Pentagon. How do these transitions usually go? Uh, a, a sec- for Secretary of Defense, for a higher ranking officials in uh, bureaucracies that even if you expect that Esper will not be the new Secretary of Defense in a Biden administration, how do these transfers typically go? Certainly, they hang on for some period of time into the new administration to uh, make sure that that transfer is as seamless as possible. Yeah. And I think that's why this is drawing so much attention now is because, you know, if Trump had won, and wanted to have new people in in a Trump part two administration, that's fairly normal, right? Like there's, there tends to be a high levels of turnover in between a first term and a second term of a president. Um, but he lost, <laughs> he lost the election and now he's firing a bunch of people that I think that is the real strangeness here, because usually when you lose you, you people might resign like trickling to to kind of figure out what they want to do with their lives after the administration is gone, but they tend to you know stick around a bit, um, and it doesn't tend to be so precipitous at the highest levels. And the fact that it is so quick and so many people when he's not going to get a second term causes the mind to go all kinds of places in terms of what it might mean. Um, and I think the reality is you know we don't really know. Um, on the outside, it might just be Trump getting even with people he doesn't like. It might be some a sign of something more sinister, but you you can't you can't really tell uh, looking in from the outside at this point. Yeah, we delayed this discussion in part because we didn't know at the time, and we thought something would be become more clear. We weren't really sure whether or not uh, the house cleaning was finished. Yeah, a reporter asked me yesterday, you know, a lot of people concerned about this kind of turnover presenting some kind of national security threat, like during a, a presidential transition, which perhaps is arguably a vulnerable time, uh, you don't have, uh, you know, they're refusing to brief the Biden team with presidential daily briefings. That typically happens by this point. You know, the transition is much more, uh, is is not normal this time. Um and so, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I've faced this problem 
for the entirety of the Trump administration. I think Eric has too. You know, it might not be the case for, for other policy areas, but in foreign policy, the president has so much power, it's kind of incumbent on a foreign policy analyst to get into his head and try to figure out why he's making the decisions he's making. Um, and this one stumps us because it's just kind of another Trump tantrum. Uh, we see the whole the whole country now can see that Trump has a has some difficulty accepting truths and facts that uh, make him uncomfortable, and now he's denying this the the state of the election. He's denying the obvious election results that everyone can see with their own eyes, and that means that he believes things that aren't even true. He's not that much in touch with reality, which is really unfortunate in a president, but. You know, if we can't figure out why he's firing the top Pentagon leadership with a number of weeks to go left in his lame duck presidency, we also can't really put a finger on why he did a lot of things in his foreign policy. Uh, it's it's odd, but I took some comfort in reading in a major newspaper today uh, that the president has largely uh, laid off the official duties of president for the past week, and that tells me at least that whatever nefarious uh, ideas we might have about what the president has planned in, in letting these top officials go, it doesn't seem like uh, there's much follow through if those things are true. And when you're when you've lost an election, I think it's usually more typical to just the job is to keep things on cruise control, right? To not shake up stuff too much. I don't think we're going to get that with Trump. Um, I mean, you know, on on one of those speculations we talked about earlier, like a withdrawal from Afghanistan. I mean, yeah, like I would welcome that. But but like John said, why not do it earlier than this? Why not do it in the years and months? Do it before the election and then maybe use it to try and win it, win the election. Uh, doing it now, it, it, I don't know. It, 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 a lot of this just seems very strange, but it's also it's also Trump. And we've, you know, like John and I said, we're kind of accustomed to seeing strange stuff uh, from this administration, at least on the foreign policy front. Uh, John, on the uh, idea that the president is doing this house cleaning in order to speed a withdrawal from Afghanistan, of course, you're skeptical. But this is a guy who uh, had never competed politically before. He was not a part of really any establishment uh, with respect to foreign policy, certainly the bench from which he was to draw his top policy advisors, uh, at least those who leaned Republican, um, were all people who, for the most part, would be reasonably satisfied to keep these wars going for a long time. So to the extent that it is uh, let, let's play devil's advocate here. Let's say it's true that the president did this in order to uh, withdraw us from Afghanistan more speedily. Frankly, a lot of these moves make sense to me. Sure. I suppose if you if you hope that the president is interested in withdrawing from Afghanistan, uh, some of these moves, uh, hopefully in, in pursuit of that goal, uh, could be could be uh, fruitful. And, you know, I'm going to disagree on process. Trump has a problem with process. You know, there's, there's a lot of objectives that he could have probably achieved if he just did it the right way and, and uh, uh, didn't, it uh, wasn't like a bull in a china shop. 
Look, the problem with Trump on issues of war, and the reason I so much distrust where he positions himself on the question of Afghanistan or Syria or whether we should still be in Iraq or so on and so forth, is that from the beginning, Trump contradicted himself. He was kind of like if, if a batter get, walks up to the plate and hits the ball and then immediately uh, ignites a suicide bomb vest and obliterates himself all over the field. It's like, sure, technically his body came into contact with each one of those bases, but what is the value of it? He's, he's literally all over the place. And that's kind of what it was like with Trump. He said things that were anti-war and said things that were pro-war, said things that would have bolstered the national security state and its power and its authority, and said things that would have shrunk it. And so given that he was all over the place, it was hard for me to put a lot of merit on any of the things that he said. So I'm engaging in wishful thinking, probably. Probably, but we all need it. We're we're uh, we're <laughs> eight months into a pandemic, and uh, two months before the end of the Trump administration. Uh, I grant you that. John Glazer directs foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute. Eric Gomez directs defense policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>